Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. to wrap it up. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best next week to wrap it up. I'm, I'm, I just need to tell you all where I'm kind of at on this thing. I'm kind of all messed up. I know some of you are too because uh, you've been talking to me and you have let me know that this is really uh, making you make some hard decisions in relationships. It's making you make some changes at work. It's making you have some thought process about your relationship with the Lord. We've been talking about the difference between climate and weather. And often we confuse weather with climate. Many of us experience different degrees of weather in our life. There are storms that roll in. There are good seasons and bad seasons. That's weather. What we've discussed and determined is that climate dictates weather. And so you can complain about weather all you want to, but until you are willing to actually address the climate of your life, the climate of the decisions you make, the climate of how you conduct business, the climate of your relationship. You can rail against weather all you want to, but weather is never going to change until you first address climate. I'm already preaching, didn't mean to. In other words, you can, you can live in Oklahoma all your life and rail against tornadoes and well, rail against hot weather and droughts, but the, the, the issue is, is most likely that's never going to change because of climate. We will go through seasons where there won't be 100-degree days. How many of you know we're in a great season right now? Uh, this year, I think there's been 12 days compared to like 58 days uh, last year and 100 days before or something like that. It's just unbelievable. That's all about climate, but, but it's caused by climate. But weather changes, but unless you can address the climate, it just rolls back in. And so we're talking about climate. We've talked about the fact that climate will dictate that you uh, confront the climate and that it requires you to dismiss sometimes. We've talked about the fact that, that there are people that are in your life that if you're not careful, they make a profession out of celebrating the death in your life and they call things dead that are actually only asleep. But you won't ever know they're alive in your life because you won't address the folk. Okay, climate. you got to get rid of some folks in your life that are speaking death when God is saying, no, that's not dead. There's life there. I just need you to dismiss all the naysayers. Okay, y'all, y'all sleep this morning. See, we, we, we recognize that you cannot complain about the weather if you allow the climate to continue because you can literally forecast the weather by the climate that you allow, right? So we've been talking about that. So then I begin to shift gears because I felt like it was my responsibility that if we're going to say we need a climate change, then it is my responsibility to help you to determine what climate must be set up in your life. This is hard work. I, I have called you to painful, difficult, back-breaking work. And so we went into Romans chapter 12 and began to read because what we do is we read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and we stall. Because Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I'm going to read it to you here in just a moment, tells us how you start climate change. You change how you think. But then Paul begins to tell us what the climate's supposed to be in your individual life 
which then rolls over into our corporate life. In other words, what I'm saying to you is quit, quit complaining about church weather that is produced by your individual climate because we are a product corporately of what we are individually. Y'all are quiet on this Sunday morning. I, I, I just got to, I'm going to pull it out of you. I'm going to hurt you if you don't because you're hurting me. Romans chapter 12, we begin to lay out this climate. And I have told you that the dilemma we face is that this climate that we're talking about is entirely different from any other climate than most of us have ever been exposed to. I don't care how long you've been in church. Most of us have never seen this climate actually worked out in reality. And so that means that we are called to be different. Passion folks are supposed to be different. You're not run-of-the-mill Christians. You're not just like every other Christian. Paul is calling us to establish a different climate in our life and do the hard work of pulling it off. If we can ever pull this off. Now, to pull it off, you recognize that when you see opposite of this climate, you have to confront it. I knew it would get quiet there. In other words, if we see each other operating outside of this climate, we have to love one another enough to say, that's wrong, that's, the not, that's not the right climate, that climate is, is foreign to us, and we adjust. That's what we're in the process of doing right now. So here we go, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge, you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pop, proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, because we let the world slip into the church. Never mind. But to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we begin to read out of Romans chapter 12, verse 3. We've worked our way down to about verse 13, but in, let me catch you up. We have said that Paul declares that the climate of you individually and the climate corporately must be these things. Here it is. First of all, we must be connected. Second, we must be serve, serving. Third, there must be sincere love. We talked about that last week. Uh, remember, no wax, genuine love for one another, not just lip service, where we literally love one another in deed, not just in word. Okay. Uh, we love good. In other words, I believe the best about you. When I hear something bad about you, it's not going to show up on my Facebook, and I'm not going to tweet all your friends, and I'm not going to pick up the phone under the guise of a prayer request and gossip. No, we love one another so much that when I hear something bad about you, even if you're not in the room, I will defend you and say, there's no way. No, y'all don't even know Chad. Chad's a great guy. Y'all wrong. You messed up. You got it all wrong. Chad's a I don't care what. That couldn't possibly be the Chad I know. That's what we're supposed to do. Instead, we, 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 we hang on to the evil instead of the good. Chad didn't know I was going to pick on him this morning. I just woke him up. Huh? No, he wasn't asleep. No, I'm believing the best about him. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't. He wasn't. I promise. I'm messing with him. I'm messing with him. <laughs> loyal. We said you got to be loyal. I'm loyal to you. I'm not here for you just when things are right. And I'm not here for you just when things are going good. Even when things are bad, I'm not going to bail on you. I'm loyal to you. You're not just any other relationship for me. We're body. We're one. In fact, did you know God sees us as one? That'll mess you up because if he sees us at one, as one, then what you do impacts me. We should honor. 
God's blessing is commanded where there's a place of honor. It's not about position. It's about life source. God commands that we honor people in our lives that are a life source. That's why he, he told children to obey their parents, to honor their parents, because it's a life source. That's why husbands and wives are supposed to honor one another, because it's a life source. That's why employees are supposed to, to honor their employers, because it's a life source to us. Honor. But now, watch this. Look what Paul does in verse 11. This is going to mess you up. Verse 11 says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So right as Paul says that you should be connected, you should serve, you should have sincere love, you should love good, you should be loyal, you should honor. He stops in verse 11. He comes right in the middle of outlining kingdom climate. He stops right in the middle of it and he instructs us that we need to check our zeal and get our spiritual fervor back up because he recognizes that in order to establish what he's getting ready to tell us, it's going to take a double dose of the Holy Ghost. I've been trying to warn you that the, the six that we've already talked about, that's child's play. Now listen, I recognize, I've already told you that what we've already talked about flies in the face of most churches, the climate of most church people and the climate of most churches corporately. But Paul says that's child play because now, right smack dab in the middle of it, I'm going to list for you the rest of these. And if you ever have a chance of pulling these off, you're going to have to rely on being connected to the Holy Spirit and make sure you're on fire and as close to Jesus as possible. All right, so we've been in kindergarten. You don't do the stuff in kindergarten, you get held back. I know that's not your story. But now we go to grad school. So, okay, y'all asked for it. Here we go. Because kingdom climate now is going to require even more effort. Can we do this, y'all? We can do it. I believe the best about you. We can do this. We're, most likely, we won't pull it off all the time. But that doesn't mean we quit. We're going to work this thing out because we want the weather to change. So we got to address the climate. All right, are you all with me? Okay, get ready. Here we go. Romans chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It's getting ready to get tough. Bump your neighbor and say, it's tough, but we can pull this off. Come on, tell them. It's going to be tough, but we can pull this off. He says, first of all, uh, if there's going to be kingdom climate, this is characteristic number seven, and there's 17. <laughs> Woo! I got a hard work to do this week and next week. There's 17. All right. Pack a lunch. Uh, number seven is that we should be joyful. We have allowed Walt Disney to steal the tagline from the body of Christ because we haven't done the hard work of establishing this particular characteristic of kingdom climate. Walt Disney says that his parks are the happiest place on earth. 
may I submit to you this morning that as the body of believers who are serving Jesus and are supposed to represent Jesus, that we should be entirely upset, angry, and frustrated that he says that about his parks and we can't say that about the church. Okay. That should offend us. At the very least, it should offend us and anger us. But what it should do is it should motivate us because Paul says that the kingdom climate is filled with joy. In other words, no more sour Christians. I know y'all don't know who I'm talking about. You've never met one. I've met a few. Uh, You can't tell Jesus lives in them. In fact, you think they are inhabited by the kingdom of darkness even though they claim Jesus because Jesus never shows up on their face, never shows up in their actions, never shows up in their attitudes, and they just as soon cuss you out. Oh, they'll no, don't get me wrong. They'll raise their hands in worship and like speak in tongues and stuff until you park in their spot. Okay, y'all, y'all, that went over huge. Uh, but, but Paul is saying to us that if we are going to establish kingdom climate, then, then our countenance should testify of God's goodness. It should change the way that we interact with one another. We should have a climate of joy in our lives. I can hear some of you right now saying, well, you don't know me. My personality, my personality is just like I'm, I'm like melancholy. I'm, I'm not one of these guys that like gets up out of bed and goes, Woo, thank you, Jesus, for a new day. All right, that's not you. You're melancholy. I get it. But do you understand that, that if you're melancholy and you encounter Jesus, that if you lay blame to my personality type is not one of joy, then in fact what you're saying is that your personality is stronger than God. Because if you're going to establish kingdom climate, although you may never get out of bed and jump up and down and spin and shout and brush your teeth and yell all at the same time, the truth is is that God is greater than your personality and you can have a climate of joy so that you're not like unbearable to live with until after like 10 a.m. and had 19 cups of coffee. Right? His power should overtake and override our personality because if joy is a gift from God, then it should be evident in how we live our life. In fact, Psalm 45, 7 says this. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. How many of you would testify that you love righteousness and hate wickedness? Okay, eight of you. Okay. Um, He goes on and he says, Therefore God, your God, listen to this, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Do you recognize what he's saying? Do you comprehend what he's saying right there? He is saying that as a believer, as somebody that loves the righteousness of God and hates evil, do you recognize that he is saying you are literally anointed with joy? That's a game changer. That means... Whether you feel good or you feel bad, circumstances and situations don't impact your joy level because you are literally anointed with joy. Wow. It doesn't, it doesn't depend on my, my mood. It doesn't depend on my situation. It doesn't depend on my employer. It doesn't depend on my job. It doesn't depend on my kids. It doesn't depend on my spouse. It doesn't depend on whether my car will start. It doesn't depend on whether my dog actually goes outside when he's supposed to. It, my level of joy is totally dependent on the power of God. That's 
a game changer. Joy should become obvious in our interaction with one another. What if you don't understand? They got on my last nerve. Doesn't matter. You're anointed with joy. That, that means that I'm anointed with joy in here. Here's a game changer, climate changer. I'm anointed with joy when I'm out of here. So that when I go to work, I don't treat the people at work any less than I treat the people when I come to worship on Sunday. We're anointed with joy. It should be obvious in our response during worship. How, how can we come to church anointed with joy, not just when you get to church. You actually were anointed with joy when you got up this morning. Walk in here and people try to lead us into the presence of God and we look like we hate God. Anointed with joy. It should, it should determine how we respond in worship. It should determine how we respond to the word. Even when the word hurts, I can still have joy of the fact that God loves me so much that he was, he's willing to even correct me. Okay, okay, joy. Joy. Joy is our strength. Some of us are weak because we have no joy. It's our strength. Paul knew that a joyful climate produces strength. He understood that it is our joy that makes us contagious. And so you have a choice. You can either share sadness or you can share joy. Can I tell you, you'll draw more people if you share joy? Joy separates us from every other climate. In fact, let me, let me show you something. I, I've never seen this before. I need you to see this because I think it speaks to the church climate that we try to create. Did you know that the climate of joy reveals whether God is here or not? It does. Well, you know, no, I don't believe that. It's, he's here because we got good praise and worship. He's here. No. Hang on. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 27 says this. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. So God dwells where there's joy. Joy is a characteristic, a byproduct of his presence. So if there's no joy, don't matter if you call it church or not. If there's no joy, what it reveals is there's no God. Okay. People can identify corporately when they walk in whether or not God is here based upon whether there's any joy here. And people can identify whether or not you actually know the God you talk about at work on Monday based upon whether there's any joy in your life. Because if there's no joy, there's no God. Because where God is, there's joy. Okay, that one went over huge, so we're going to move on. Because I, I told you, this is like after verse 11, you got to ramp it up spiritually. You can't do this stuff. This, the, number eight, we're supposed to be patient in affliction. Now, a couple things I need to help you with here. I recognize that in a very real way, Paul is talking about what we've talked about, that, that as a believer, there are going to be moments in your life where you're going to go through pain. That's why this year alone, we talked about developing a pain perspective, what to take away from pain and how to navigate pain. That's why this year alone, we've talked about how to live through a season of nothing so that you can navigate those times. I recognize that Paul is saying to us, when you're individually going through affliction, you've got to know how to navigate it. You've got to be patient. But I also want to remind 
remind you that in this passage, Paul is literally teaching us how to deal with each other. Okay. So I think what Paul is saying is this. Kingdom climate is one in which I am patient with you when you're going through affliction. Okay, let, let, we're going to see how honest we are, we are this morning. Have you ever become impatient with someone who was struggling? Okay, all you sanctified folks ain't being honest right now. Because, because you know who I'm, you, you, right now there's faces going across in your mind and you're going, man, I, I am worn out with them being worn out. I am sick and tired of them being sick and tired. I am upset because it seems like they're constantly broken. They're constantly hurting. They're constantly sick. All they seem to focus on is their own pain. All they seem to talk about, all they Facebook about, all they pray about, all they dominate conversation with is their pain right come on admit it you've avoided those people come on admit it you have like hidden their post on your Facebook timeline because you've got tired of reading it come on be be honest you've like let their phone call go straight to voicemail because you didn't want to hear about their pain and you'd already heard about their pain all week long Paul says that we must learn to be patient with each other's afflictions. Here is a newsflash that we need to get. Not everyone is as victorious and as blessed and as recovered as you are right now. <laughs> there are some people around you that are literally struggling and fighting for their life. And I'm thankful this morning that God has brought you through and brought you out. And I'm thankful this morning that in your life right now, you're on the mountaintop. But we need to become aware that around us, people sit around us that are not there. And Paul says, we need to become very patient with one another's affliction. See, if you don't establish kingdom climate, then what will happen is you will become impatient with those who aren't overcoming and winning as fast as you would like. There are some struggles and hard times that are going to take an extended amount of time for people to exit, and we must become kingdom climate minded so that when we see a brother or sister that's still fighting the same battle they were fighting last year, and you've already overcome all your battles, wink, wink, and you've already been set free like, the ultimate degree of freedom and you never have a bad day wink wink when you see them and you're sick and tired of dealing with their struggles and their issues you recognize that even though they've been dealing with it for a while we become very patient with them the truth this morning is that some of us stagnate in trials and we should have already moved on and we need to be encouraged to do so the truth is is that some of us are like the children of Israel we circle way too long and the truth is, is that many of us allow pit stops to become parking lots and we, we stay stagnant in a situation and in a hurt. But we've got to remember that it is our climate. We've already talked about this, child's play. Our climate is, is that we believe the best for them and we believe that if we're patient with them and if we're understanding with them, then one of these days they are going to walk into their promised land if we're patient with them. Be patient. 
be more understanding. Why? Because if you aren't with me in my struggle, you can't be with me when I succeed. And if we grow impatient with one another, then when that person moves out of that season of hurt and pain and brokenness and bondage and they come out into victory, they won't want to be around you because you didn't celebrate them or believe in them or encourage them. Paul says that we are to be patient with one another in the middle of affliction. Number nine, faithful in prayer. Again, I believe Paul is dealing how we respond and deal with one another. So he says to establish kingdom climate, I should be in prayer for you on a regular basis. I, 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 I pray for me, but I must also in turn come to this place in my own climate where now my prayers come off of me and they land on you. In fact, I've, I've given instructions to our pastoral team. We've actually assigned it for one another because I recognize that a lot of days when you're so busy and life is moving on, you forget to literally stop and pray for anybody but you. But you get up and you do, you do this. You get up and you pray for your kids and you pray for your dog and I pray for my job and I pray for my car and I pray for my finances, but I never stop and pray for my, my family, my family, my, my body, my, the members. I don't stop and we don't do that enough. And Paul says that we should come to this place where we are faithful in prayer for each other. And hear me this morning. I'm not talking about during prayer time at church. I'm confronting climate right now. Some of you only pray for each other on Sunday morning in between praise and worship and the word because I instruct you to grab somebody's hand and pray for them. And that's the only time you ever, their name, their face, their issue, their struggle ever crosses your mind. Listen, I, I, I want to submit something to you this morning. Your faithfulness in prayer during the week is the foundation of our prayer time together on Sunday. And the reason that some of us struggle and are uncomfortable with praying for each other on Sunday is because we haven't prayed for one another during the week. Hard work. So let me tell you what I'm challenging you to do. You're going to get it on your drive card this morning. I am encouraging you to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you, to build a prayer list for you concerning others in the body. Just three, only three, because if we add more than that, you don't pray for any of them because you get overwhelmed. I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And it may not be the people you're sitting next to right now. It may be that the Holy Spirit leads you to somebody in the body. You don't even know their name. And you have to actually go up and introduce yourself and say, hey, my name is Steve. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to pray for you. Can you tell me your name? Don't be offended by that if they do that because you just recruited a prayer partner. You ought to be like filled with joy. Joy. Okay. Is the climate of your life marked? And set by faithful prayer, or are you so busy dealing with your own issues and your own life that you never call anybody else's name out in prayer? This is a climate change. Ten. Paul says that a kingdom climate will be marked by this trait. We will share with those in need. 
May I show you some things this morning? This is going to get tough. The next two are very tough. Notice that Paul did not say you should share with those in want. He says, share with those in the body who have a need. In other words, I just need to be straight up with you this morning. You need to understand how we operate because we believe this is kingdom climate. Here it is right here. I'm going to lay it out for you. We feel no compulsion and neither should you to assist those who buy what they want and beg for what they need. In other words, we are not called to establish a climate that perpetuates and rewards laziness. Don't ask me to help you pay your utility bills if you have internet service, the latest phone, weekly appointments to get your nails done, and you're wearing the latest $200 pair of tennis shoes. That means that you have bought what you want, and now you're begging for what you need. But if you have a genuine need, and you've been faithful to do what you can do, then Paul says, I should be willing to step in and help. We rally around those in need. That also speaks to a climate where we are comfortable enough to share our needs because we can't meet a need that we don't know about. You would be amazed about how many people get offended and frustrated and mad at the body of Christ because they don't meet my needs. And then when they bail, we go, well, we didn't even know. I didn't know. You mean you hadn't eaten in a week? How was I supposed to know? We rally to people, to family members, body members in need. In other words, we don't use up everything that we have on ourselves. We look for those who are in need and we respond. So here's my question to you this morning. Whose need have you met lately? Here's another one. Why do you think you have extra? So you can waste it on you? No. It's like the pigs at the, the trough. They're being fed abundantly every day. And one day when the farmer walks up and he's dumping bucket loads of food, one of the hogs looks to the other hogs and says, have you ever wondered why he feeds us so much? It's, it's so they can share what they have. Bacon. That's That's, that's like... That's like kingdom climate, bacon. Okay, just going to make I would submit to you that God has given you more than enough to bless somebody else. And may I also say to you that this isn't about an organized effort from the platform. That's not what this is talking about. Although we will continue to do that and have done that just last week. We helped two of the families in our church that were about to lose everything. That's kingdom climate. But what this is really about is this is a way of life where we intentionally make efforts to be sensitive and responsive, responsive to the needs that we recognize around us. We look for needs. Knowing this, why should we do that? Because there's going to be a day where you're going to have a need. And if you're not responsive to other people's needs, what you so you reap. 
So I'm talking about individually that then produces a corporate climate. We begin to become very responsive to one another's needs so that when you walk in on a Sunday and you normally are filled with joy and you're normally up on cloud nine and you walk in those doors and I go, man, there's something wrong with them. Out of my response to need, because we always want to talk about need about being money. It's not just about money. I go, oh, something's wrong and I need to respond. told you this was going to get harder. Number 11. Paul says that one of the kingdom characteristics, kingdom climate characteristics is hospitality. This requires a climate change. This requires us to love one another differently. Let me ask you a series of questions this morning. Why would someone's heart be changed today if you won't even talk, talk to them in the lobby? Your willingness to produce a climate of hospitality is the key to softening and preparing someone's heart for change. That means when we arrive together corporately on Sunday morning, we cannot walk in here lazy and we cannot walk in here uninterested and we cannot walk in here so consumed with our own needs that we pay no attention to anybody else. I am convinced that the climate of hospitality has more to do with someone being positioned for change than the quality of preaching or the quality of worship music or the quality of facilities will ever have. Hospitality. Why? Because if we aren't friendly, it literally preaches louder and more effectively than I will ever be able to preach. And if we aren't friendly, it literally unpreaches the message. Well, they set my chair. Move! Your name's not on that chair. Well, they cut in front of me for coffee, so I had to tell them. And it was the last pump of coffee. Go to McDonald's. They're giving it away for free. It's terrible, but go because they're giving it away for free. There's a reason they're giving it away for free. How you look at someone in the parking lot or the lobby may be the difference between them being touched by God or not. Lack of hospitality undermines worship because how can you love a God you haven't seen and treat your brother badly when you've seen your brother in the flesh, but now you want to come in here and say, oh, hey, yeah, and they're going, man, they were hateful to me in the parking lot. And they go, why would I want what you've got? And why would I worship who you worship if you're hateful? Why would I want the Jesus that you proclaim so loudly if you're unpleasant and you scowl and you're angry and you're bitter and you're in a bad mood? Paul says that our climate should be Marked by hospitality. May I tell you the truth this morning? I, I, I struggle a little bit right here because we do pretty well. Honestly, we do pretty well. Our greeters are the best, some of the best I've ever met anywhere. They are incredibly friendly. Thank God. Okay. 
With that being said, I would submit to you that it's not only the greeter's responsibility to be hospitable. But let me tell you what this means. It means that we want to set it up, the climate, so that when people exit passion, they get in the car after a first-time visit, a second-time visit, a third-time visit, and they begin to discuss this fact. That is the friendliest place I have ever been in my entire life. So how do we do that? Well, that means nobody sits by themselves. I'm just looking, see, I'm just looking, just seeing, seeing who by the, because if they walk in here and they don't know anybody and they sit by themselves, how many of you know that doesn't say friendly to them? That means you've got to go out of your way and introduce yourself and say, hey, if it's all right with you, I'm going to sit by you this morning. Well, they smell. I don't care. There's no stipulations put on this. They got bad breath. Well, join the club. Share a piece of gum. Be hospitable. You know, we have people that come here week after week after week after week after week after week that sit by themselves every Sunday. Every Sunday. That's not a hospitable climate. That means that when people walk in and it looks like they don't know where to go and they don't know how to deal with their children, where am I supposed to take my children? I, I don't understand the building layout. I've never been in here before. We don't wait on ushers and greeters and kid personnel to come and get them. We go out of our way and we don't just point. We walk. That means I go out of my way to speak. That's a challenge for your pastor. I just need to tell you honestly, I'm trying to do better. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm trying to do better. I'm so task-oriented, and some of you are too, that I get so focused on the task that I forget that it, <laughs> it's better when there's people here. Just being honest. I'm not trying to be rude when I walk by you and don't say anything. I'm trying to do better. Because I want kingdom climate. It means we touch. Because there are folks in this room that have gone all week long with nobody even doing this. All week long. In fact, the truth be told, there are some of you, the only touch you get all week is in anger. That's a different climate, y'all. It means I'm on alert for anyone who is out of place or down. See, I'm convinced more than ever than, that hospitality is the real seedbed for change. Here's why. You think about this now. You think about somebody that is coming here for the first time, and they're out of place, and they're on edge, and it's all new. Do y'all remember what it's like to go to a new school? God help us all. It's like the worst experience in life. You're scared to death. People walking in, they're scared to death. So there's this cold climate in them. And when they run into people that are warm and hospitable, how many of you know what happens when warm climate meets cold climate? Weather changes. We'll deal with their climate later. We're just trying to help them see a different change in their weather so that we can get to their climate. 
Okay, y'all missed that. All right. All right. So, so, so look at your neighbor right now. Look at him. Go ahead. Stare at him. Like, stare a hole through him right now. Just look at him. Come on. Right, look at him. Don't be mean. Just look at him. And answer this question in your mind. Don't answer this out loud. In your mind, answer this question. Would you want the Jesus that they have represented today? Because that speaks to hospitality. Okay, quit looking at them because some of y'all are getting freaky. Some of y'all are getting weird. Some of you went over the line. Some of you just crossed the line right there. Y'all just, like, we're going to hear, like, people getting married out of that little moment. I can remember the day we fell in love. I've been wanting to look at her all my life. and Stop it. Here it is. Listen very carefully. I'll get out of your way. Our climate should be connected, serving, sincere love, love good, loyal, honoring, and then we get really down to tax, brass tacks and it gets hard, joyful, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We should be sharers. And we should be hospitable. That is stinking hard work. Hard work. But it's what we're called to. So here we go. Here we go. This is how we've ended every week. I'm going to end it right now. It's going to be painful, but I want you to answer these questions in your own mind. What if everybody is as joyful as you? What if everyone was as patient and faithful in prayer as you. What if everybody responded to the needs around us like you did? Make them believe. Today, today, it's hard to tell who's a real believer. If you really stand up and let me see ya, there's your voice one time from the Savior. What if everybody was as hospitable as you. That's kingdom climate. That's what I'm calling us to. Because I will say this one more time and then I'll shut up. If we build that, we don't have to worry about whether our church will grow or not. Because that is so different from every other organization, church or not that we will stand out and we'll have to fight them off with a stick. Because this is the climate people long for and can't seem to find. Father, this morning I pray that you would confront us to recognize that the first few things that we talked about are child's play. That's kindergarten. And I pray that we would continue to be faithful in trying to establish that and build that. But I also recognize this morning that you're calling us to greater levels of work and greater levels of change. And so, Father, this morning we just take a moment and I ask you to reinvigorate, revive, refresh, empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We cannot pull this off on our own without your anointing, without your unction, without you confronting things in our own personal life that we need to change regarding our climate. We will never be able to pull off the rest of this. 
So, Father, I pray that even though it's hard work and even though I I, I recognize that it requires participation on my part and it makes choices come become apparent that I've got to make about my joy level, about my patience level, about my prayer life, about my hospitality level, about my willingness to share. God, I recognize that it's going to confront all that. I pray that you would empower each person under the sound of my voice to do this kind of hard work. We desperately want to see people's lives changed. That's what our desire is. God, if we don't want that, then we're just marking time anyway, and this is nothing more than a spiritual pep rally. God, that's not the desire of our heart. I attest to the fact that we desire to see people's lives changed forever. But we recognize that if our climate does not change, if we don't line up with kingdom climate, the chances of them experiencing the change we so desire to see is diminished and left to chance. So God, I pray that each of us would do a hard, hard inventory of our life this morning and we would begin to assess our own personal individual lives because we recognize that we are corporately what we are individually. And I refuse to rail against a church weather pattern that I produce because of the individual climate of my life. And so God, I ask you, please knit our hearts together as a corporate body. Help us as a family to do this kind of hard work. It's backbreaking. There's going to grow day. There's going to be days where we grow weary and we don't really want to do this because it's easier to just be comfortable and it's easier to slide into what we know. But God, I confront that that attitude and I confront that spirit in the name of Jesus and I ask that we shake that off and instead we follow the the instructions of Paul and we fight for a new climate we fight for a new climate God I pray that this would be the most joyful place on the entire planet I pray that we would become so patient with one another in afflictions. When I see a brother or a sister that should have been well, should have been set free years ago, and they're still circling the same mountain over and over again, instead of growing angry with them, I would begin to believe the best for them. And I would pat them on the back and encourage them and say, Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let me help you get free. God, I pray that you would develop a prayer list in our life for people in this body. And every morning of my life, I pray that you would shake me and and challenge me to pray for each person that you bring to my remembrance. And I pray that I would become very intentional about it. And I would actually write their name down and put it in my car right in front of, of me so I won't forget it. And I will be faithful in prayer. And God, I pray that you'd help me to become very responsive to the needs of people around me. And when I see someone in need, my heart will be broken and I will respond. And the extra that you give me, I will set it aside, not to waste it on myself. I've got more than enough. I pray that I would become responsive to needs all around me. And God, I pray that we would be hospitable. And when people walk on this ground, the grounds of this facility, before they ever get out of their car, before they ever hear one word of the sermon, before they ever hear the first note of the first song, they would recognize that the people here are the friendliest people on the face of God's planet. And they will wonder why. And it will cause weather to change in their life. And then you will give us entrance to change the climate of their life. God, we ask you to do this. Help us to be strong enough. Help us to be determined enough. Help us to confront the climate when it doesn't line up with this. 
I ask you to do this. I'm desperate for you to do this. And everybody that believes that it can happen, would you just say a big, hearty, loud amen this morning and believe with me for that climate change in this house. Amen, amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.